Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Welcome, all hail to thee. Welcome, young spring. The sunray is bright on the butterfly's wing. Beauty shines forth in the blossom-robed trees. Perfume floats by on the soft southern breeze. Welcome to Wheel of the Year Ostara, the seventh episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. And thanks to 19th century poet Eliza Cook for the opening stanza of spring recited moments ago. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. (laughs) I hadn't heard the opening before, so it was was funny. Go ahead. I'm Gwen, Ode's mother. (laughs) I thought it was beautiful. Thank you. Thanks to Eliza Cook, who wrote it. That's right. And it, and it was appropriate. I was looking because for some, we are talking about Ostara. Yeah, I was looking for some public domain poetry about spring, and lo, there was some. Oh, there it was. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we're going to be covering Ostara, the next holiday in our Wheel of the Year series after Imbolc. Similar themes. Yes, yes. very Sus- similar themes. Suspiciously Fertility. similar themes. But unlike Imbolc, Ostara takes place on the vernal equinox. Correct. Do we want to talk a little bit, first things first, about the history of how Ostara was added to the Wheel of the Year? Yeah, that's yeah, fine with yeah. me. The original Wheel of the Year only included the four Celtic fire festivals and the Sabbats. And that was the, that's the Gardnerian. Yep, that's the Gardnerian Wheel of the Year. And then Dorian Valiente mm-hmm. wanted to add the two equinoxes. Mm-hmm. Which are Ostara and Mabin, I think. Yes. Yeah. And wanted to do that because she was still somewhat in the broom closet with her family. Oh, that makes sense. And it was a way to kind of incorporate... To be able to celebrate on familiar holidays. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yep. Yep. Interesting. Because Ostara does... It it it, has, uh, it, it can... Correspond to Easter and Passover. That's right. The two major holidays celebrated around this time. Yep, exactly. Um, my understanding is it does not this year correspond very closely. No, the it vernal doesn't. equinox this year is March twentieth. Correct. And I have no idea Easter when Easter is happens. actually April first. April first. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so about goes. a yeah about a week and a half off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think it's um, obviously the one thing we should point out is that the equinox means that it's going to be equal light, equal dark on that day. So we've been moving from, in the winter, a time of very long nights and short days, towards increasingly longer days from Imbolc onwards. Imbolc is sort of the celebration of, yay, the sun is coming back. And And lo, here And here at Ostara, (laughs) we are, for a brief moment, going to have a perfectly balanced day and night, and then we will move into a time of long days and short nights. Yep, that's correct. I think it's important to point out that the Southern Hemisphere is actually celebrating Maven right. or the autumnal equinox at this point. Because, again, something, <laughs> something, the the world. hemispheres, climate, I don't know. <laughs> so while we're cheering, yay, Ostara, happy spring, Maven spring. to happy our Maven, friends yeah. in the Southern Hemisphere. We don't know what you're doing because <laughs> I haven't gotten to Maven yet in my studies. <laughs> <laughs> In about half a year's time, we'll have a Maven episode. So, so look forward to that, I guess. In all the stuff I have heard up until this point in my life, mm-hmm. I had always heard that everything in Christianity, which is the major religion that I grew up in, mm-hmm. was basically stolen from paganism. And the egg, the Easter bunny, Easter... I learned that as an early Wiccan. All mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff was just... 
stolen from the pagans mm-hmm. and and meshed into Christianity. And as we have been studying more and oh, more about this, oh boy, we've decided oh boy, that have I got none some of this is you. true. This is not true, people. So, spout off, oh spouter of things. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give you all some somewhat dry academic information here. And we're going to get through it as fast as we can so that we can get to the fun and interesting stuff. But I do find this <laughs> fascinating. I, and I think it's, and honestly, I think it's important because as when I started in the craft... As a Wiccan, that is exactly what I learned. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and that know, misinformation is widespread. It is. And it's also being taught in the Christian church. Mm-hmm. So you've got misinformation and misunderstanding going on mm-hmm. all over the place. Right. Yeah. Yep. Time to clear up some misunderstanding. So the name Ostara was applied to the Vernal Equinox in the 1940s? Uh, no, officially 68. Oh, 68. And it was just chosen because it was... It uh, sounded pretty. It, was a, it sounded pretty, and it came from a source at, at around roughly the same point in the year. The source that Ostara comes from is Einhard's Life of Charlemagne, which was written in the 800s. In the Life of Charlemagne, Einhard refers to the modern month of April as Ostarmanoth. And that's all that he says. That reference supports, obliquely, a preceding reference made by the Venerable Bede, who was a monk and scholar living in the British Isles between the late 600s and the early to middle 700s. At 725, he wrote a text called The Reckoning of Time, wherein he described the different calendars of the peoples of which he was aware. One of those calendars was the Anglo-Saxon calendar, and in it, he describes the modern month of April as Eastermonath, uh, and he describes it as having contained a feast held by pagans in that area to a goddess that he names Easter, and that is all he says. That there was once a feast held to Easter in this month, that the month's name is taken from her, and that by the time he was writing, this practice had died out, and he gives us no further information. And that is literally the grand full sum total text of information about Estra, the goddess who is supposedly worshipped during Easter slash Ostara. And you can, and I have heard it pronounced Estra and Eostra and yes. Easter. Uh, and, and I'll get into why all those pronunciations are speculative in a minute. Because the, we have so little information, really, is right. what you're saying. We have, we have one reference by the Venerable Bede, who was a Christian scholar who was disinclined to make things up about heathenry and generally shared less information than he probably had because at the t- when he was a child the british isles were undergoing the late stages of christianization by the time he was an adult heathenry and heathen practices were outlawed and they were there are laws on the books outlawing heathen practices and describing the punishments for them so his parents and grandparents probably were familiar with those practices but he himself was only familiar with them secondhand right very probably and that's why we have that one reference to what he thinks is a goddess, but we don't have any proof that that, that no. is, is the case. And it's it probably could be a really amazing that he even bothered to mention that he mentioned that at it. All. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, not, he's not inclined to mention pagan stuff. No, not in general. As a whole, he was quite so, hostile to it, wasn't right, he? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
like most monks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's really actually kind of amazing he even, that we have this mention. That we even have this little bit of a mention. Yeah. The the reference made later by Einhard in the Life of Charlemagne, referring to Ostermanov, is the only evidence we have that Eoster, if she was a goddess, was worshipped not just in Northumbria in uh, by Anglo Saxons, but also by continental Germans. And like I said, we have no evidence that she was a goddess who was worshipped. It could just mean that Estra meant dawn and Estra month was dawn month. It's impossible to say. Right. The information that we do have about Estra, which we have derived from her name, is this. Old English Estra is of Northumbrian extraction, and it is derived from the reconstructed <clears throat> Proto-Germanic word Austro. Thence, from Proto-Indo-European, chus, uh, which means to shine. The ch that we have lost in all of the derived words is what's referred to as a laryngeal phoneme. It's like a almost a glottal stop, like the uh in uh-oh, and it becomes a glottal stop or is dropped completely in almost all of the daughter languages of Proto-Indo-European. The root chus means to shine and is the root word for the name of a reconstructed Proto-Indo-European goddess, Chosis. Her name means the glowing one, and there are reconstructed Proto-Indo-European myths about her as a dawn goddess who reluctantly brought light to mortality and then was abducted and imprisoned and had to be rescued by another god to bring the return of light. These themes are echoed in what are called daughter religions, in the forms of other goddesses who have similar mythological connections and language-rooted names. It is hypothetical that one of her epithets would have been Quenos, from which the Latin Venus and the Norse Vanir both derive, which would mean the loving or the wishing one. From this, we can derive that Estra, if she existed, and if she had the same correlations that other goddesses of her etymological type have, would have been a dawn goddess, likely with love, spring, or fertility connections. None of this is proof of anything. Proto-Indo-European is a completely reconstructed language. What that means is that there is no attested written language for Proto-Indo-European extant anywhere. It has been reconstructed from assumptions made about the languages which derive from it in the same family. That includes Germanic, that includes English, which is derived from Germanic, that includes some Vedic languages, it includes a bunch of Slavic languages. There, the, the Proto-Indo-European family is huge, and by combining the corresponding characteristics between various words in these various languages that mean the same thing and have similar phonetic constructions, we are able to derive the language we call Proto-Indo-European. And by the same process of back-tracing themes, we have reconstructed a Proto-Indo-European mythology. So none of this is conclusive evidence of anything about Estra. The other piece of misinformation widely spread about Estra, because she is um, referenced as an Anglo-Saxon goddess, is that she is somehow part of the Norse pantheon. This is manifestly untrue. There is no evidence of her anywhere in the Norse pantheon at all. The only evidence of even a similar root name in the Norse pantheon is Austri, who is one of the four dwarves 
who represents the four cardinal directions or the four winds, who holds up the skull of Ymir, which is the dome of the heavens or the basket of the sky, basically. That's the only evidence we have of, of even that general root anywhere in uh, Norse mythology. So if Estra existed, she was probably a continental German goddess who was brought to Anglo-Saxony or vice versa at some stage in the proceedings. She was a, probably a very localized goddess, a tribal matron or maiden, and no other information exists about her except what we can guess based on Proto-Indo-European reconstruction. Okay, so explain eggs and bunnies. They aren't involved in Estra's mythology at all because Estra does not have a mythology. Eggs and bunnies come from completely separate sources. The uh, Easter bunny comes from uh, a German tradition which sprung up, as far as anyone can tell, completely by itself with no like existing ancient traditions to back it up of the Osterhaus or the Easter hare. Could honestly have just been a local legend is what you're right. saying. Yeah, yeah, it could have just been a, a local legend in some part of Germany that spread through it. And then in the 1800s, Jacob Grimm, who liked to tell stories you may be familiar with, um, <laughs> and considered himself a, a folklorist, considered himself a folklorist and a scholar, um, and who wrote extensively about his somewhat suspect views of German mythology, <laughs> um, decided with no evidence that the Estra house and Estra had to be connected somehow. Probably just because of the names. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so, so he created this idea in the 1800s that Estra was a goddess who was worshipped extensively at some point in prehistory, that she was affiliated with hares and rabbits and that they were sacred to her, and that she handed out eggs to children and... That all comes from Jacob Grimm at complete random. So, there you go. Now we know. Now we've covered the dry, academic, boring <laughs> history of Estra and, no, and Proto-Indo-European reconstructed I mythology. I think it's important to know these things because right. we, you know, you get the idea that... Right. And there's, there is widespread misinformation that Estra is like a known goddess from the mm-hmm. Norse pantheon who had these connections. And, and none of that is true. And stole those elements mm-hmm. from uh, Easter, or, yeah. you know, for Easter, from, from this, Estra. From yeah. Estra. And honestly, even as a Christian, it never made sense to me. Because I always, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I loved eggs and egg hunts <laughs> and Easter bunnies and all the, all the like still do. The, my question always was, what does this have anything to do with this dude from the Middle East, you know? So it never made sense to me. So now I'm like, oh, okay. It just kind of is made up. Yeah, those are the, these are almost exclusively modern inventions to which we have ascribed pagan meanings. Yeah. And I want to be clear that there's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely I want to be, there are a couple of things I want to get very clear. I have just gone through the very dry academic lack of history about Estra. That does not mean that I think Estra does not exist today. I don't know and cannot know if Estra existed in, you know, the year 500. That is information I will never have access to. But I do know that there are people who perceive her existence today for whom she is a real and living goddess. And as far as I'm concerned, gods and goddesses can come into existence at any time by some mechanism unknown to me, and it's not my business how they do it. In my, in my cosmology, the oldest living creature is Sirt, 
who just started being one day in the middle of Ginnungagap and created Muspelheim and thus started, like, the origin of existence. And there is no explanation for how Surt came to be, and it's not my business. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, he did come to be, and thus so did everything else. True, false, or maybe? Oh, yes, this is a good game. Okay. Eoster is an Anglo-Saxon goddess of the dawn. I've seen this, and I know it's listed as true, but it is not. So, I'm gonna go with maybe? Can we, can we give she it that? Is, she is a maybe Anglo-Saxon goddess right. of something. right. Right, yeah, okay. Yoster is a Teutonic derivative of Ishtar? Nope. Definitely nope. Just because they sound the same in English does not mean they are the same person. Easter is named after Eoster. Well, arguable, I guess. Maybe. 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 (laughs) Maybe not. Eoster is associated with bunnies and eggs. Nope. Nope. False. The Easter egg is stolen pagan tradition. Nope. No. <laughs> Thank you, Grim. <laughs> the rabbit and the egg are associated with Ishtar. Nope. <laughs> and the Easter bunny is related to the lunar hare. Seems unlikely. Yes. Nope. False. <laughs> um, Especially given that the Esther house is German and I believe the lunar hare is Chinese. Right. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, those are... Things that people believe, mm-hmm. and that's you know. But as you were saying, that's okay, right? Well, and what I'm saying, what, what I'm saying is well, that yeah. although well, I don't think it's grounded in. I think what I think the important thing is to say, if you want to believe these things, that's great. But no. don't don't claim that they are grounded in history. What I would say is not is also don't believe these things. Don't believe the things that are lies. Well, good point. Don't believe that. At, that Estra and Ishtar have some connection when they don't. No, no. What, what I you can't. What, what, right. What, what what I would say is, although there is no historical connection between Estra and rabbits and eggs, there is now. Exactly. That was my point. Right, right. I wasn't. I actually right, wasn't right. even thinking about Estra and Ishtar. Right. I was thinking along the lines of if you want to celebrate with bunnies right. and eggs. And believe that these are connected to Eostra right. or Estra. These are ultimately then by gods, go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are these are ultimately at this stage in modern pagan life, secular symbols which we have imbued with pagan meaning and which we have adopted for a goddess we know very little about. That's right, and, and that's fine. that is and that's perfectly fair. Fine, it's a celebration. We can celebrate spring mm-hmm. in these manner mm-hmm. or in this manner. Yep. So, do we want to talk about how to build an altar? Yes. Which I think is kind of cool. Did you have some stuff on that, Gwen? Uh, I don't have uh, activities on building an altar. I just have activities on celebrating it with Stara. Okay. Right. So, I can share that later. So, just some stuff that you can put on an altar. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make it feel Ostara-ish. To, to make it feel Ostara-ish, yes. Or, <laughs> if you don't want to use the word, just say to celebrate the spring equinox. Right, sure. yeah. The yep. vernal equinox yep. is coming whether you celebrate Ostara yeah, or right. not. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, eggs. Right. Uh, Painted or otherwise. Yep. Rabbits. Yep. And chicks and ducklings. Yep. And lambs. that deals with new birds. And calves. Kittens. Kittens. Keep the kittens and the chicks separate. (laughs) Please, yes. Uh, New bulbs of flowers, Uh seedlings. Mm -hmm. Seeds. Right. Right. Seeds, yep. Colors are obviously pastel-y in color because it's that. Floral colors. Floral, yep. This is also a time of balance, so like the yin-yang symbol would mm-hmm. be something that you could use. Mm-hmm. You could have a black and a white candle. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
um, male and female figures, a sun and a moon. Right. Uh, a sun and a moon would be very appropriate because that's the specific balance that we're celebrating right yeah, now. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And then anything that's got to do with new life, other symbols would be like caterpillars, ladybugs, mm-hmm. anything that kind of comes about in spring. Um, in yeah. spring, any kind of flower that's yeah, spring. Dandelion is one of the very early yep. spring flowers. Yep. Didn't you mention daffodils earlier? Yep, when daffodils. We were, we were yep. talking about daffodils yep. and crocuses and the, all the early spring flowers. Yep, all yep. the early spring flowers are very appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yep, so dandelions, echinacea, golden seal, hibiscus, yes. hyacinth, lilies, narcissus, tulips, violets, all of those fall into that early spring flower. Mm-hmm. Again, We'll link to a bunch of this stuff in a blog post. Right, yes. as always. Yep. My um, personal favorite is for my altar is tulips. Mm-hmm. That's what I enjoy having on my on my altar. Well, and what I wanted to say is for people who are, you know, if you are in a, a cold climate like I am, where, mm-hmm. or like we are rather, they have hydroponic flowers mm-hmm. that you can now purchase quite inexpensively. I got yeah. mine last year from Walgreens. Yeah, and they're um, very and so, nice. And they are. They last for several weeks. And I was able to have blooming mm-hmm. tulips on my altar last year for Ostara. And it was it was really wonderful. It because, was. It was really nice. You know, it's okay. I'm not saying anything against cut flowers. I have cut flowers on my altar. Yes, drying as we speak. Exactly. But the the thing that is just meaningful to me on something, on a special occasion like right. Ostara, is to have a living plant on my altar. And... Hydroponics is a way you can do that yep. if you want to have a living well, flower. Well, and, and I think it's like we we talked about how in bulk was about purification, basically, and mm-hmm. rebirth and renewal. I think the difference with Ostara, yes, it's still a spring festival, but I think Ostara is about growing. Mm-hmm. If in bulk is about sweeping out, the you old. know, the old stuff and preparing the way for the new, then Ostara is about getting down new and growth. actually planting the mm-hmm. seeds. Yeah. And the the beginning of that growth process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the cool thing, whether you have cut flowers or you have uh, something that's growing mm-hmm. uh, hydroponically or however, or if you live further south and just growing They're because just growing. you live in the south, <laughs> is that, and this is something Gwyn does, which I think is really cool, is that we don't return any of that. We don't just throw it away. Mm-hmm. So part of it's returned to the earth, but part of it is also dried and mm-hmm. saved and mm-hmm. used in uh, spells and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's, it's, you know, it's yeah, dual-purposed. Gwyn, Gwyn has a very stocked uh, apothecary cabinet. Yes, I do. Full of... Two apothecary yes. cabinets. Well, one is explicitly an apothecary cabinet. One is a cabinet for magical things and is mostly an apothecary And cabinet. I still don't have enough room. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, I've because she saves and dries. Everything. Everything. I do, as much as possible, if I can. Everything that was ever living in this house. <laughs> if I can. Someday, I'll be in your apothecary cabinet, I'm going to say. That's just possible. <laughs> <laughs> There's a power in bone. <laughs> That's correct. But if I can't, for some reason, then I do return it to the earth. Mm-hmm. And we've done that for several different things. Yes, we have. Um, but what I'm and doing it's hard right to now, do during the winter. It is. Yeah. So, um, but what I'm doing right now is I have been uh, having cut flowers mm-hmm. on my altar and then putting them in my. I have a swan vase, yes. I guess, you, or a swan dish. A swan that's dish. That's yeah. uh, part of my altar, which she set out during bulk to represent and honor Brigid. Yep. Correct. And so I've started drying flowers in that, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to use it to make potpourri for Ostara. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's so much you can do. You can. Uh, 
Also, it just looks really nice while it's drying. It does look really pretty. It's very pretty, yeah. It's very pretty. So, for any of you all who know us, which there are some now, who Uh know who we actually are. to meet you. On our side of the state. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) We are covered in snow here on the 9th of March. Gosh. Uh, A few weeks left until the equinox, and hopefully it will melt by then. We're hoping. (laughs) But if it doesn't melt on its own, we can do a snow melting ritual and hope that helps. That would be nice, yes. Now that you've talked about rituals. Yeah, Gwen, you want to get into uh, sure, some there, of the rituals you've been talking about? Well, there are a couple of things you can do. Um, one of the things that you can do, just for as far as activities go, and this isn't necessarily a ritual, these are just a few activities, you can go out and collect wild, wild flowers mm-hmm. if you're in an area where spring has already <laughs> sprung. sprung. Right. Yeah. You can also take a plant in a you know a small plant that you've either grown from a seed over the winter mm-hmm. or if you have some kind of seedlings you can gift them to other people oh. with uh, a blessing of fertility or or blessing in their house right right um you can... and it's worth pointing out that fertility does not have to be exclusively of the baby making kind that's right <laughs> Creative minds need fertile soil just yeah. as much as anything else That's does. Right. And, a, and a living plant often, you know, it brings a lot of, of good energy into mm-hmm. someone's home. So if you know someone who needs some, some good boost. energy, yeah. a boost, bringing them a plant as a gift, they don't have to know it's an Ostara gift right. if they're right. not of, of a pagan belief tradition, system yeah. or tradition. Now, maybe check whether they have anxiety about whether they're going to be able to keep that plant alive. True. Because some people are not great at that and it may cause them stress. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you use but a little also, bit of foresight or, or right. you know, just common sense. But. Also, you don't, this doesn't necessarily have to be something you've raised. You no, have some yeah, time no, just... before Ostar right mm-hmm. now to go to a greenhouse mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. or a nursery and, you know, and buy some little plants. Exactly. They're not terribly expensive. Mm-mm. And and bring them home for a week or so. Mm-hmm. Put them near, to live in your house. To live in and... your house and kind of gain from you mm-hmm. so that when you give them out, they're not Get to know just... those little spirits. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. Exactly, exactly. You can also, which I thought was really obviously, you know, it, it's spring cleaning. It is a ritual. Mm-hmm. You can do spring cleaning as a ritual. Yes, but not although I just... think it should, broadly speaking, have already been done by him. Yes, I, I think it should have, I think the physical aspect of spring cleaning is wonderful to begin at Imbolc. What you can do at Ostara is a spiritual cleaning of energies that have built up over the wind. I guess. The I still think that should have been done during Imbolc for the I think purification both, I, I think it can be aspect, done for both. But, yeah. Right. There's also um, uh, one more thing that you can do as far as um, if you want to consider it a ritual mm-hmm. or just some kind of a magical working. Anything's a ritual if you try hard and believe in yourself. Umancy. Yes, egg, tell us about this. Egg divination. I thought that was very cool. Um, what you do is you take an egg, you separate the eggs, the egg whites from the yolks, and then you drop the white into hot water and divine what its meaning is by the shapes that the egg ta- the egg white takes in the in the hot water. And then you complete your egg drop soup and eat it. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. It's like, yeah, yeah might you, as well make egg drop soup at this point. If you are a kitchen witch, that is a brilliant idea, uh-huh. of, and it can be part of your meal preparation. Yeah. Um, or if you are not a kitchen witch and you just are curious to do right. it or want to do it as part of, divin- of a divination process, you can do it at your altar in a cauldron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good call. You know, just pour some hot water in your cauldron, and mm-hmm. there you go. So I think that's a fun, uh, yeah, it is. It's a very fun little, yeah, 
An unusual divination An unusual divina- divination technique that you can bring into mm-hmm. your Ostara celebrations. Yeah, that's very interesting. And then I have a bunch of other things that you can do. You can have, obviously, you can have a ritual dinner, right. uh, which in, which can include hot cross buns, which, you know, is basically a bread that has eggs in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and some raisins and things, too. I'm, I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've made them. You I'm can, okay with that. You can I'm have a huge hot look. cross bun You can person. have any kind of an egg dish for right. breakfast and or dinner. Quiche. Yeah, you can, exactly. There's So any of these things you can do will bring ritual aspect into mm-hmm. into what you're doing. And then you had something that would be fun for families. Yeah, so I'm getting I want to, to point that. Th- I want to point out that you could also, if you felt like it, eat some rabbit. That's right. Now, when we, are we going to talk about activities as well that are separate from like a specific ritual? Because I have a bunch of activities yeah, yeah. to do. Yeah, we'll get into that. I, yeah. what I, m- m- my position is... That any activity can be a ritual if you approach it with a mm-hmm. sacred mindset. Mm-hmm. So, and the list that I have, I'll make sure that we include that in the the links list right, on yeah. our notes because yep. this has I've got so many ideas that I can't even mm-hmm. I can't read them all. We yep. don't we don't have time on this we podcast to go through all of to them. To read all of them, so we're one, just we're just giving you all the highlights. One good thing about this time of year, the vernal equinox or mm-hmm. star or whatever we want to call right, it, whatever whatever it is um, to you, yeah, whatever it is to you, is that. Christendom, mm-hmm. which is the, still the majority religion in the oh, United yeah. States, is already involving children in what they do. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is a chance for you to involve your children in your pagan rituals, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. Some of them don't work really well for that, <laughs> but this one in particular, I think, uh-huh. you know, really Yeah, does. when you get into like to like winter nights or some of the darker aspects of Yule, it's harder to get the kids involved. Correct. Because, yep. you know, it requires sort of a deeper understanding you of almost the have spiritual to have components. like a children's family ritual mm-hmm. and right. then mm-hmm. a more adult ritual yeah. later. Yeah. But Ostara, because it is such like a joyous and young holiday mm-hmm. all around, you can all just sort of work together. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's definitely some of the craft projects that we've talked Absolutely. about. Uh, you know, making your uh, Easter tree or your Ostara tree, mm-hmm. doing some family ritual stuff. One of the family rituals that I think is cool is one I found uh, on ThoughtCo, mm-hmm. is the lesser banishing ritual of the <laughs> chocolate rabbit. I love yes. this. This and is great. We're going to do this. This is so great, you guys. Just wait. And it includes a bag of jelly beans, mm-hmm. marshmallow peeps, both chicks, bunnies, and whatever else that right. they have. Peeps of your choice. Peeps of your choice. And a chocolate rabbit for each participant. And a glass of milk for each participant. Mm-hmm. And basically you go through the jelly beans and there's there's actual full-blown ritual there's on There's liturgy. Here. There's it liturgy for it. Liturgy. But it's if you great. If so like, without cracking up like a certain gentleman that I know no, tends no, it's to great. do. It's so good. Uh, so like <laughs> the green jelly bean, green is for the grass that springs from the land. And then everybody would eat their green jelly bean. And then yellow is for the shining sun above our heads. And everybody would eat the yellow yep. jelly See, bean. See, I think this is wonderful. I can't wait to do uh-huh. this. I think then, this will be fun. Then you go to the peeps and you talk about little peep chickens and how we honor mm-hmm. them and you eat your peep chicken. And, and then, I want to be clear, after you eat everything, you hail the jelly beans. Yes. The mighty yes. jelly beans of spring. And yes. then you hail the, the mighty peeps, peeps of spring. Yep. Yes. And then there's the whole chocolate rabbit and you talk about how we adore the chocolate rabbit and his great big chocolate ears. And Which then you, you eat. his ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, you hail the mighty chocolate rabbit when you're done eating mm-hmm. it all. And then everybody gets a glass of milk. You raise it in a toast to the three symbols, to the jelly beans, to the peeps, and to the chocolate rabbit. 
we drink in your honor. Mm-hmm. This is really cool. It's a wonderful And it's activity. it's a great way and, and 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 not only is it a great ritual just in its own right, but it's a great way to introduce young pagans to the concept of of these liturgical rituals these like really formalized participatory rituals meaningful Mm -hmm. because this isn't a you know we we joke because it's peeps and jelly beans right but But as we were i mean meaningful when you read what it is supposed to represent and that's the whole point exactly it's a representative it's it's a it's a correspondence if you will that children can understand Yep. yep Color correspondences are very strong. Exactly. Yeah. It's a wonderful way to teach children and young pagans mm-hmm. about, you know, how a ritual works. And, you know, even maybe not young pagans, but just people who are new to, to paganism, mm-hmm. you know, who feel uncomfortable or... Um, Come from another religion. Or who feel overwhelmed by go. by some of the intensity of, of some pagan rituals. This is a good way to ease them into that concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I also want to say that, according to my little list, this is another thing I wanted to to mention. This is a really good time to start planning a magical garden mm-hmm. or a magical container garden if you're like me and you don't you have live on a balcony. You live, <laughs> you have a balcony to work right. with, and then you plant those seeds or plant at Ostara, plant at Beltane. Yes, I think it's a wonderful thing. You talked about doing spell work with seeds. Yes, I thought this was a very interesting thing to do as well. You can begin a spell with a seed in a in, in a small, you know, mm-hmm. in a planter, a little container. A container. Yeah. You can have it on your altar or someplace, obviously, that's going to get enough right. sun. And then, as you tend that seed and the and the flower or the plant or whatever it is is growing, you are charging. incorporating and charging and putting your intention for your spell on that on that seed and on that small plant as it shoots up and as it grows. And as the seed nurtures and the plant grows, your spell gains momentum. Right. And so once it has reached maturation and, and bloomed or has become the plant that it is meant to be, right. then you you release your spell. Sort I of, think that's Sort wonderful. of like starting a spell at the new moon. Mm-hmm. It's a, it would be something that has to grow. It's a spell that grows over time yeah. and gains strength. Mm-hmm. And then you also have a plant ally working right. with you to um, bring this spell into the world. Right. Yep. That's a very interesting idea. Which is actually something you can do with your kids as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I yep. mean, it's actually one of the things I have listed on my list is make a miniature greenhouse, mm-hmm. which is super easy to do and a good way to get started and a good way, again, to teach children, mm-hmm. you know, how to... Uh, put your intention into mm-hmm. things that exactly. are happening. And how to, you know, care for their environment. Yep. Exactly. Some of the other things you can do is build a weather station hmm. so that you can kind of track weather. Right. It's oh, a good yeah. time of year to do that. Yeah, see um, how much rain you get. Right, yep. Outdoor we did that. We did that when journal. I was a kid when, I, when we were homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. yep. yep. So that same kind of thing. And I had a cloud journal where I detailed every specific kind of cloud and then painstakingly decided if it was cumulus or cumulonimbus or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Serious. And then you could also do a seed packet greeting card. Mm-hmm. So put some seeds into yeah. a little packet and use that as a gift That's nice. to give away. That's a good idea. Of course, dyeing of eggs, and we have right. multiple different ways to do that. You can use, obviously, you can use artificial colors because that's the easiest. You right. can go to, you know, whatever your local store is. The Walgreens. And, you know, yeah. get, those little, something, yeah. get those little tablets with the vinegar uh-huh, and the water, yeah. and there you go. But if you want to do something more natural, mm-hmm. there are many ways uh, to dye your eggs 
using blueberries, onion skins, cabbage, tea. tea. Uh, you can, you can, yeah, coffee grounds. one of my favorite things to do actually is to boil an egg and then take a spoon and crackle the shell, not enough to actually break it, but just enough so that there are cracks in it, like hairline fractures, and then put it back in the water with like a couple of tea bags. And it creates this like fascinating marbled texture on the mm-hmm. actual egg. Hmm. Yeah. You can also use um, carrot tops. You can uh, soak the green carrot mm-hmm. tops, and then you dye your eggs to get a yellowish green color. You can get orange from onion skin, depending on the type of you know of onion, onion yep. you use. Matter root is good for red. Colt's foot and bracken are good for green. Uh, and spinach, frozen spinach. Yeah, yeah. frozen yep. spinach yep. is good for a light green. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, red cabbage is good for bright blue. Uh, and I think if you do it long enough, it becomes a purpley kind mm-hmm. of color. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier lots. to do with uh, grape juice, though. Yes. So Welch's <laughs> in particular, because it tends to be Wine more... would probably suit as yeah. well. Yep. And the thing is, you can use a lot of these various things, obviously, in the meal that you're preparing for mm-hmm. Ostara. And then you're not only, you know, you're preparing your meal for mm-hmm. your, your ritual yep. or for your celebrations, but you are also using the leftovers, if you will, or the scraps of those things because it's onion skins and carrot tops and things like that to dye your eggs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the other things you can do is to make a Thai dyed egg. (laughs) And that's actually using a real tie, a silk tie. If you want to sacrifice sacrifice your silk tie. Well, I don't... Carr has dozens of ties because that was the only thing I knew how to give him as a gift as a child. Of course, and now, though, knowing what I know about how silkworms are, you know, right? mistreated. Oh, yes, we discovered then, something dreadful know. about the production oh. of silk. Listeners, we will tell you in a moment as soon as Carr has finished explaining. Actually, tie-dyed. let's not tell that no. story, okay. but we'll, <laughs> we'll link, we'll to, link it. to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to know. It's pretty dire. If you, you, you can... want to know, we'll have the link, but... We'll All also I'm saying have the link that, on how to get... Yeah, on how to get how piece to get silk it, or yeah, a yeah, piece yep. of silk. Or, yeah, yeah but, but all I'm saying is I don't feel so bad about using car, one of Carr's silk ties <laughs> uh, to, to do this. One of the other things you can do is to make a, a wreath for spring, mm-hmm. whether you have eggs on yeah, it we have or... Yeah, we have an egg wreath. Yep, or mm-hmm. snakes. Which, Which we Gwyn will is, not have in this house. Gwyn is not happy with the fact that snakes are a symbol of spring. But they are. Gwyn is not happy that snakes are a symbol of anything. Gwyn is not happy that snakes exist. And she's snakes just going to have to make her peace with... Snakes get along with everyone. <laughs> it's just a matter of leaving them their due space. I just, I just have issues with those little so critters. So part of that comes from is the conjecture that St. Patrick's driving out of the snakes... Of which made him a saint, right? Because then that he was, was just Patrick. Um, <laughs> was. I think there's some other things he did too, but that was a major. Probably role. most of the saints well, have multiple. Yeah, yeah but uh, they actually have to. But that was one of the big things that, that was, right. was that driving we, all quote well, unquote all, all the, snakes. the snakes out of Ireland. But the thought process is that snakes was actually was a euphemism, a euphemism for paganism. <laughs> so <laughs> that actually kind of makes sense, right? Especially given that... didn't necessarily drive it out. He right. just converted everybody, yeah, and that yeah. pretty much drove it out. Although conversion has yeah. sometimes a violent quality to Correct, it. Correct, yes. Yeah. That's a whole other discussion. Uh-huh. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> you had a whole list of, like, things you could use on your altar, like uh, different stones, different... Oh, yeah, you could use... Um, right, correspondences. correspondences. You could use yeah. rose quartz is a, is a pretty common one, I think just because it's a sort of gentle, loving... 
mothery kind yeah, of stone. It looks pretty. It looks pretty. Yeah. Green Jade, Picture Jasper, and Moss Agate are my suggestions. Okay. According to this, Jasper, list. just a little bit. Picture Jasper is creative. Um, it helps create structure. It's got nature associations. Uh, Moss Agate also has nature associations, but it's more about growth, harmony, grounding. Uh, and then Green Jade... Uh, has associations with longevity, protection, serenity, and purity. All of which feel like Ostara-ish qualities right. to me. Uh, and those are not stones that I got from a list. I just felt that they were appropriate. So I can't guarantee that they have necessarily like defined correspondences. But I would use them during this time. Mm. And yeah. can you list those on the yeah. blog as mm-hmm. well? So yeah. that would be great. Um, then you, the, go ahead. I'm sorry, I just wanted to say some of the stones that were listed on here also include amethyst, Aquamarine and Bloodstone. Let's see. Amethyst and Aquamarine are probably both included for protective and divinatory purposes. Bloodstone is purifying and is also sometimes used in divination, although of a different sort of lower quality. Mm-hmm. Not like not like that it's bad divination, but that it's like more internally focused than right. higher focused. Right. Were there other things? I thought you had like Besides stones, you had some other... Uh, green and white candles you could use on your okay. altar to, to represent, right? Purple is a pretty common color to use on the altar. Um, dandelion and hyssop teas are appropriate at this time. Fruit wines. Milk and honey you could um, make as offerings to, to whichever gods you worship during this time. Um, milk is for the obvious reasons, because, you know, young creatures are being born at this time, and thus you know, cows and sheep and such likes are milking. And honey is a, a common symbol of abundance and prosperity. Right. I thought it was interesting, too, that this says that um, some herb work that can be done um, during this time includes, obviously, magical, medicinal, mm-hmm. cosmetic, culinary, and artistic. And then include you'd want to include spells for prosperity and fertility, obviously. Mm-hmm. New beginnings or potential action like if you you know want to start a, a new right. business this is a great time yep. to to uh have or a, a new relationship, or a, that's new a relationship that's a popular one any right. kind of beginnings um this would be good and then i also have on here things like the floor four leaf clover baskets eggs lambs flowers chicks bunnies budding twigs pussy willows you know colored ribbons mm-hmm. those are all good things spring that are plants symbols. yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I can see the four-leaf clover because St. Patrick's yeah. Day is around the same uh-huh. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so that makes sense. Yeah, I think me. it's, I think this year it's 17. only a few days off. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. the 17th. Yeah. yeah. And then they, this also, jelly, jelly eggs or jelly beans mm-hmm. are, are very popular food. Peeps uh, can represent chicks on your own. That's right. And chocolate right. <laughs> food uh, also, though, does include mm. lamb and eggs, but also seeds and leafy green vegetables, yeah. spiced or flour cupcakes. Make kale chips. Fruits. And eat them. Hot cross buns, which I've already mentioned. It's been a long time since I've had kale chips, and they're very good. So I have to make them again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. But this, honey cakes. <laughs> oh, yeah, honey and cakes. sprouts too. are yeah, also be very really, really good to eat as uh, or to use as offering mm-hmm. on, your, on your table. Yep. Mead. And, of course, um, mead's good anytime. Mead's good. Mead is good all the, um, time. All the time. Bear in mind that when I make suggestions about offerings to make to your gods on your altar, um, and I make offering suggestions that are specific to the holiday. That does not mean you should not also make offerings that are specific to your God, because mm-hmm. they probably have preferences, and it is better to give them what they want than what you think they need. Right. Oh, and I thought you would also appreciate this. Animals that are included among the rabbits and hares and lambs mm-hmm. and whatnot. Dragons. Because they have eggs. 
Uh-huh. Yep. So do snakes. And they're snake-like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I thought you would appreciate that, that yes. dragons are included mm-hmm. on this list. Yes. Hard to find in nature, but yes. <laughs> there was also a list we found of different gods that would be associated oh, with. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I made a list of gods that I thought you could worship yep. during this time if, for example, you don't believe that Estra exists or if you're not comfortable worshiping her. And Carr found one that had some correspondences to the one that yep. I had made. I have some listed over here, too. Yeah. So we'll see what they correspond, if they correspond. So, um, so if you're in the Norse tradition, you might worship Frey and Freya, for the expected reasons. Nerfus, as the Earth Mother. Or Thor, because April showers do bring Mayflowers. And Thor is a patron of working-class Joes, which in ye olden days meant farmers. In the Hellenic traditions, you might worship Persephone, Cybele, Pan, Dionysius, and Eos, notably Eos is one of the dawn goddesses derived from the same goddess from whom Estra supposedly derives. Um, In the Kemetic traditions, you might worship Osiris and Isis, who have resurrection-y parallels. Um, You might also worship Bess and Tauret. I wasn't sure about the Celtic gods because I don't know them very well, but I proposed Kernonos and Epona in addition to the expected Brigid. In Vedic tradition, I suggested Prithvamata, Rudra, and Ushas. Whom I don't know very well, but they do feature in the Rigveda, and that's there are some very lovely mandalas about Ushas in particular, who is a goddess of dawn. Yep. And according to this, if you um, don't have really a specific god or goddess, but are you know, you follow the eight, you know, just the concept of a, the triple right, goddess, a, a divine, a divine generalist, right? Then you can uh, obviously um, the maiden can be your focus. This also includes Narcissus, Hyacinth, and Dionysus. I, yeah, I yeah, listed Dionysus. Dionysus. Oh, and the Green Man. Oh, yeah, I guess oh, I yeah. can see the, the Green, Green Man. Man. Yeah. Uh, especially since I think, um, oh, well, Ares has many aspects. That's true. But especially since I think the Green Man is sometimes correspondent with Kernonos. Mm. And then the list that Carr found also included two gods, uh, two goddesses, of whom I am not particularly familiar, familiar the Hindu Saraswati and the Ganyan Asasya. Did you mention Astarte? Because that's also listed. No, I did She's not. She's also listed on here. I did not mention Astarte, sometimes also known as Ishtar, mm-hmm. whom right. I do not know a tremendous amount about. I believe she is a goddess of fertility and war. So, do you have anything else over there in your magical no. notes? No, I think that... <laughs> my magical notes. Your magical notes. I think that about covers it. I mostly took notes about the lacking history of <laughs> Esther because I wanted to get that very clear and make sure there were no misconceptions being forwarded in this right. particular podcast, seeing as you can get them everywhere else if you mm. so choose. Right. I did want to share, as I was looking over my notes and, and my book over mm-hmm. here, I did want to read from the Grimoire for the Green Witch, written by, by Anne Mora, Mora, something that I think is really, it, it's kind of a closing ritual, mm. if you will. It's real short. And what you would do would be to light a purple candle or a violet candle, Burn patchouli, but you don't have to if you don't like patchouli. That's Car objects know. to patchouli. <laughs> it's because patchouli usually, in my mind, goes with body odor. Mm, okay, fair. So. <laughs> so choose something that would be appropriate. Choose something that feels springy to you. For right. in, instance, uh, African Jasmine. violet, rose, sage, 
And strawberry are sure. also yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can what you can do is take those items throughout your home, mm-hmm. and as you are going throughout your home with the candle and the and the incense, you would say farewell to wintry spirits and friends. On morrow we greet the spirits of spring. Our blessings to thee as you're on as on your way you wend, and Mary will meet next winter again. I forgot that was something we wanted to talk about. We had briefly discussed it before. I've seen this interesting situation yes i've seen this interesting situation this one doesn't exhibit it so much but i've seen this interesting situation where people during their rituals um, especially at imbolc and ostara seem very hostile to winter and are just glad to get it gone and wish it would never come again and seem almost vindictive about haha i've gotten you now and now it's springtime so you have to fuck off like (laughs) I don't know. It just seems unnecessarily hostile. Like, I understand. I think some of that probably comes from the olden days, as right. we like to call them, where winter, right. as it was, a set of it time, was a very scary time took for people. more people right. to well, and, and the Summerlands or whatever. Because whatever your afterlife is. Whatever yeah. your afterlife is, because it's just a harder time of right. year. And that would definitely. The other three seasons tend to be, you can live. Right, you can you pretty easily unless there's a war or something. Right, exactly. Um, and I also think or a plague. We were talking about or this earlier. Famine. I think also <laughs> it, was, it was just easier to die back in the day. <laughs> That's true. But I also think there's an emotional aspect to it because in the winter things are dark, things are cold, and I think um, you know sometimes people start to feel they're they're trapped indoors mm-hmm. unless of course they're you know into winter sports or something. Right. But um, I, I think a lot of that is also an emotional aspect. And you know everything's brown or white or gray. It's it's a very it's a dark time of the year, and so I think emotionally, for some people anyway, that can feel stifling. And so as yeah. you move into as you move into Imbolc and right. Ostara, that idea of letting go of all that heaviness, that weight, and bringing and looking forward to green and different colors and more activities you can do because of the warmer weather. I think that's what inspires there for are, some people, not all. There are a ton of activities people. you can do in the winter. winter yeah. yeah, I know. That's why I said for some people. I, I understand where that comes from. And mm-hmm. I especially understand where it came from for especially my heathen ancestors who lived in fucking Scandinavia. Right. Where it was winter like three quarters of the year <laughs> and no one was happy about it. Nope. But I think it is a mistake to denigrate or undervalue winter just because it is unpleasant. But I don't think people are necessarily doing that. I think they are. Some. I, I, I think, think they very much are. generalize and say everybody is. I'm not no. generalizing. No. I'm saying that there are definitely people in rituals that I have read okay. who cast out winter mm-hmm. in a very hostile and aggressive yeah, I, way. I, for myself, I don't think of it that way as, you know, as the type of witch that I am. I just kind of flow with the seasons, and so one goes to the next, goes to the next. So I don't right. feel hostile about it. I'm just but like, you okay, don't. be on your way, go to but the next. But Ode has found people who are. I find right. that very very interesting and a little weird. Yeah, <laughs> I've, found, I've found rituals that have a very hostile tone about winter, especially as they are moving into spring, mm-hmm. where, and it's interesting because they'll write winter rituals that seem... Not positive about winter, but just sort of like, well, I shall endure about winter. And then spring comes around and they're like, okay, fuck you, get out. Do they treat it like it's something that has to be defeated? Yes. I think there's an extent to which winter is viewed as an enemy. 
And I, I know where that comes from, but I think it is a shallow interpretation right, of the situation. because without winter, none of the other stuff can happen. Exactly. We well, have it's to all have You of... must have a fallow period. Right, yeah, exactly. You absolutely. That's why one season moves to the next, mm-hmm. and it's it's an important part of life. Right. You know? Right. So all the, I, I, I just wanted to I just wanted to mention that that yes, this is a very joyous and celebratory time. Spring is coming, everyone's very excited, but babies are being made. But let's not use this time of justifiable joy and pleasure and abundance to undermine mm-hmm. the lessons that were brought to us by winter. And right. I think that's what I like about this this farewell. Sure. Because it's saying farewell and we will meet you again. It's a it's a releasing and a and a farewelling, not a get the fuck outing. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I think that kind of wraps this episode yeah, up. Yeah, I think so. Um, we didn't. You'll notice we did not do a review during this episode. That's because we decided it was very specifically themed. Yep. Um, we're gonna be here. we're gonna be doing our review of Magnus Liber Sigillorum in the next episode, which is the next episode of Building Your Book. Yep. So look forward to that. Yep. A couple other things that everybody needs to know is that we are starting a Patreon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not live yet, but it will be very soon. Yep. And that will have a bunch of different things on it that you can help us mm-hmm. um, by supporting the podcast. Maybe um, we'll be able to get another mic. Right. That would be lovely. The dream. <laughs> the dream is real. There's a bunch of things on there mm-hmm. uh, of ways that you can help us. Some of them come with really cool, I think, right. add-ons to it. Um, one of them is a monthly reading by Gwen. Mm-hmm. One is the ability to actually listen to this yeah, to the live recording. we're recording it. Be, Pre-editing. Just be a little fr- afraid of that, people. Be afraid. <laughs> you get the, you'll get the behind-the-scenes experience with all the pauses and the ums. And, right, and all the stuff of, I edit out. All our dead air. Oh, and, dead yeah. air. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, but but that will include access to a, a private um, Discord, Discord channel. Mm-hmm. The server is going to be uh, public, but the there will be a private channel where patrons who have the appropriate role will be able to ask us questions. Car is going to be monitoring that channel be while a tweet, we are right. No, no, it's by Discord. On Discord. Oh, it's a, yeah. on Discord. Yes. A live yeah. question. Yes, yep. and 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 they will be able to ask questions in the via Discord text. via text. Yep. And Car will be monitoring that. And if you have interesting questions, we might answer them on the air. Yep. And your name then gets mentioned because mm-hmm. it'll be so and so asked this question. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And we have a bunch so, of other stuff too. Yeah. There's yeah, a bunch yep. of stuff, and we'll cover that. Um, at a later date. Yeah, when, once the Patreon is live. Yeah, once the Patreon is live, we'll cover all of the different mm-hmm. things that are coming as part of that. But it's good stuff, people. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think it I think we've done a really good job of coming up with very it's, creative. Yeah, I think I think we put together a pretty good perks. Yeah, yeah. a list of of reward tiers. Reward yep. tiers. Um, but that you know, this is the kind of stuff that wouldn't it was really I hate to admit this, but it was really hard for us to get to convocation. Yeah, and it's was. You know, we just, it's, you know, things are tight and it's hard for us to, to get the money we need to, you know, to go to events and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, And it's th- something that we really want to right. do. And it seems to be something that people want us to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so stuff like the Patreon, you know, might be able to help us do that. So once right. that goes live, you're, we're going to mention it every episode. So and to sorry. hear our lovely voices more often uh-huh. as well. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. If we if we reach certain goals, then we'll go to a weekly schedule. Right, That's exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So actually we can talk about that pretretty quickly is uh the five hundred dollar goal so it's five hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. means that owed you work yeah. full time basically. This would be my job basically. Yeah. 
and that allows us to move to a weekly format where mm-hmm. we're actually doing this once a week. And, and I spend like eight hours a day researching things for new episodes. And Right, yeah. exactly. Um, if we get to the $1,500 a month goal, mm-hmm. um, that gets uh, both Oda and Gwen uh, working on the podcast full-time. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that becomes your full-time gigs. That means, of course, we can grow our listenership. It mm-hmm. means a daily blog yep. mm-hmm. so that you actually get something every day on the blog plus the ongoing weekly podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can miraculously get to the $2,500 uh, a month. Which would be truly an act of several gods required. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then all three of us will do the podcast full time. Mm-hmm. It would be um, our job. Yep, that would be our job. This would uh, then allow us to travel the country visiting a bunch of other pagan communities involving yeah. get them a little, in the podcast. Get a little farther outside of our immediate era. Right. right. Yep. Get, and review stores and, right. and and do interviews and do all kinds of stuff. That's, that we, we have big plans, people. Right. That's the dream. <laughs> that is the dream. Yep. Vision. The vision for this podcast. <laughs> yes, is uh, much bigger than the three of us sitting around a mic. And a, I think a part and of a, it... And a, a mic set on a card table. Yeah. 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 Where and I think Carr sits on a folding chair, Gwen sits on a desk chair, and I sit on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think part of this is we want to be able to provide a really interesting podcast for people mm-hmm. to listen to, but also something that can bring the yeah, they can community just connect people. together. Yeah. All over, the, right. from all over the, mm-hmm. the country, you yeah. know. This is a way we can do that, and I've, I'm looking forward to seeing how far and where we'll go with it. Yep, mm-hmm. definitely. So the podcast is going to continue no matter what. Exactly. Right. But We're not going away. Ne- no, uh, under yeah. no circumstances, yeah. unless, you know, something disastrous happens. Or you stop listening. <laughs> well, even, even then, then we'll, we'll probably, probably still. still yeah. True. But uh, things like the Patreon would, would allow you to support us and would allow us to do more interesting things. And so. things that we really think would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. So if... It, once the Patreon goes live, if you feel so inclined, we would be very grateful. Yep. But obviously, there is no requirement. Yeah, Patreon should be live Monday. Yeah, probably. So that would be the, I don't know. Calendar is the 12th. Yeah, 12th of March. Probably. <laughs> well, we've got just great stuff coming up. And we mm-hmm. still have our Building the Book That's Part 2. Part 2 coming. Yep. yep. Coming up and uh, where we're going to discuss three different parts. Three, yeah, so, three topics. Deities, the... Uh, like the Wiccan read or mm-hmm. whatever it is that you, you know, focus on in that. Any information about your initiation. Yeah, that your kind initiation, of thing. yeah. So we'll be discussing and, um, and um And spelling your book. Mm-hmm. Yep. To, you know, keep Protect it secret it. and yep. keep it safe, like yep. Gwyn has. Keep it secret, keep it safe. I will have my three ring binder. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, I found one here in the house. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even have, have to buy one. That's right. Um, I've been saving three ring binders forever, so. <laughs> right, right. It's like my collection of yellow notepads. Right. So I'll be starting to actually build my book kind of mm-hmm. as we go. Yep. And so follow along. We've actually had somebody contact yeah, us. Yeah, which we're going to be talking right. about. And we're going to be talking about in the episode. We had a, a listener send us a comment describing their their book own process. book development process. I don't want to get into it here, but we'll get into it in the building your book episode 2. Yep. And that's we will also do that review of, of the Magnus of, Liber Sigillorum. Yes. That's right. And yep. we have an, uh, another review coming up after mm-hmm. that in the next podcast. Yep. Yeah. So, so the next the next episode is going to be jam-packed with content. Right. <laughs> that's right. Keeping it to an hour may be difficult, but we'll uh-huh. do our best. We'll do we our shall best. so endeavor. And on that note, we should probably stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's it for Three Pagans and a Cat. Uh, Ostara special episode Wheel of the Year thingy. We're going to have to come up with a that real That sign-off is really rough, sure, huh? Time to go! Bye! <laughs>
You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.